this morning we'll continue our series, uh, Soul Food. We'll spend some time in perhaps uh, the most famous of Psalms, Psalm 23. It's a psalm of confidence in God, a psalm uh, that we run to in times of desperation, in times of trouble. It's a song of King David, and it's truly a beautiful poem. And the more I explored this psalm this week, the, the more in awe I was of our God. As I consider the psalm, I'm, I'm reminded of the valleys of life, right? I'm reminded of my sister uh, when trying to conceive, just had a very difficult time and went through miscarriages, valleys, difficulties, right? I'm reminded of a dear friend whose daughter has developed a childhood cancer. And for years, uh, trying to deal with that situation, going to clinical trials, and, the, and it keeps coming back, and just gut-wrenching, tragic valleys that we go through. I'm reminded of a professor and friend, an avid runner, uh, that very young, just had a heart attack, and passed on and, and, and left a young family struggling, difficult, hard times. I'm reminded of friends and family members who struggle with disease, cancer, debilitating times. I'm reminded of my own valleys, the many times I found myself in agony, pain, and hurt. Oh, the valleys of life. And I, 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 we can take turns talking about our sorrows the difficulties. Psalm 23 is a song that would be sung by the nation of Israel for generations to come by people that knew exactly what David was talking about. This is part of the human experience. After sin entered the world, one thing was certain, that we would encounter hard times. Now, the psalm was not written uh, for us to just get rid of problems and hardship. It was written to give us hope in them. It does not give us five ways to conquer the valleys or, or three steps to squash our sorrows. It's not a self-help book in that way. What the psalmist does is, is turn our gaze to the one that is hope. Did you catch that? That, that? that is the lesson of the psalm. The psalmist wants us to turn our attention away from ourselves and direct them to the Lord our God. So yes, we can have hope. Even in the darkest times, if we turn our gaze to the one that has everything under his control. Do you believe that? Amy and I, my wife, had a, a difficult valley a couple years into our marriage. Uh, we were serving as missionaries in the Amazon. We're in a boat on a remote river deep in the jungle, several hours away from the nearest town. Amy developed some abdominal pain and some irregular bleeding. What we didn't know at the time is that Amy actually had an ectopic pregnancy. If that is uh, when uh, the baby grows outside in, in the tomb outside of the uterus, and she would need emergency surgery. So as you can imagine, uh, at this point, uh, we would need to travel back, um, take a flight the next day to uh, Manaus, which would be the closest city that could actually perform the surgery. And the next several hours and days were terrifying, difficult, hard. But remarkably, there was also a strong sense of God's presence, of God with us. No family was around us, but there was people there sent by God to comfort us, to guide us. We felt the comfort of God through that terrible time and fear. God was with us. The psalmist will remind us in this psalm of who God is. 
So this morning, let's turn to God and remind it of what an awesome God we serve. Our shepherd, who is our comfort, is a good host and ultimately is our savior. Verse one says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist begins by recognizing that I, I, David, me, I am not the shepherd, even though he was a shepherd. He recognizes that in this relationship, I'm the sheep. The psalm is poetically utilizing this relationship between the shepherd and the sheep to teach us a valuable lesson of how God, of who he is, and how I should respond to him. See, over 200 times in scripture, we're compared to sheep. And it's not a compliment. You see, for us, we think, uh, for us uh, city folk, we think uh, that sheep are these beautiful, cuddly, playful animals. But uh, the people that would have first heard this psalm and would have listened to it, they would have known, uh, um, been well acquainted with this animal. You see, sheep are not particularly uh, smart animals. Uh, they cannot sense danger very well. They're, they're uh, quick to get themselves in trouble. They're easy prey. They will never survive in the wild without direction. Sheep have very little sense of direction. They get lost very easily. They tend to just wander off for no reason. Remember, uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to his own way. Sheep needs guidance. They need leadership. They're restless creatures. They're, uh, when they're hungry or bothered by bugs or pests, uh, they're, they're very hard to contain. They're also weak animals, unable to take care of themselves. They're not strong and intimidating to other animals. They're also dirty animals. Uh, they need grooming. Now, I have two cats, and if you have cats, uh, they're generally doing two things, right? They're either sleeping or they're grooming themselves. Well, sometimes they're just like awkwardly, awkwardly staring at you, right? It's very creepy. Uh, but the point is, they clean themselves. They groom themselves. Now, sheep, they can't do that. They require a the shepherd to clean them. And we also, we can't clean ourselves from our dirtiness, from our sins. We need a shepherd. So it's no wonder that we're compared to sheep so many times and we have a lot in common. Now, now the shepherd, on the other hand, he provides. The sheep doesn't have to go out and hunt for food or figure out where the pastures are. The shepherd takes care of them. The shepherd guides them. The shepherd will do what the sheep cannot do, guide them to food, to water, and safety. The shepherd protects them. We see in 1 Samuel that David fights off a lion and a bear to protect his flock. The shepherd cleans the sheep. He tends to the sheep. The shepherd has to keep the sheep clean and healthy and free of pests. So in verse 1, when David calls the Lord his shepherd, he has all of this in mind. This context here is super important as we attempt to interpret the first verse and also the entire psalm. He's not saying that the God will give me everything I want. Let's be careful. The psalmist recognizes his frailty and his need for a shepherd. What he's saying is that I am incapable of providing for myself, and I am therefore dependent on you, Lord. And since you are the good shepherd, and I know that shepherds provide, 
I shall not want. Do you see his logic here? I serve the provider, the good shepherd. I'm not capable, but I'm not going to worry because I serve a good shepherd that can provide for me. He recognizes that provision does not come from me. It does not come from my hard work. Provision for our basic needs comes from the Lord. Therefore, I'm content in it. What a great illustration. I think it's easy for us to forget this reality because we work very hard to provide, right? Uh, Especially us boys, we're, we're brought up from a very young age being taught to study hard, be strong so that you can provide. But we forget who gives us the air to breathe, who makes the sun rise each morning, who makes the rain fall, who allows my heart to beat. When we take a step back and remember who we are in relationship to our God, we have a new appreciation of how fragile I am. We are dependent on Him. Even though sometimes we feel like we can just make it happen, He's the one that's making it all happen. This became very real to me when we became uh, uh, missionaries. Um, and after working a regular, regular job for a few years, I left a comfortable job in, in, in Dallas, Texas and moved here to the area. And we went on to raise support uh, for our salary and ministry um, through churches and individuals. And as hard as that was to do, I cannot explain the blessings of watching our awesome God provide for us to take care of us in small ways, in big ways. God has been faithful. He has provided for our needs. And becoming a missionary really helped me realize who the real provider was. Because for some foolish reason, I thought that I was the one providing. He said, no. Boy, was I wrong. So there's an entire paradigm shift happening in Psalm 23. It kind of turns our thinking upside down. This is what I want us to learn from the text And we are quick to depend on ourselves, in our own strength, in our own intelligence. We focus way too much on our problems and difficulties. And the solution is to stop looking to ourselves and to turn to the great provider. To trust in Him. To rest in Him. And some of you are exhausted this morning. And you are on this treadmill called life at full speed, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're working overtime to make ends meet. Then you get home and you're driving the kids to the sporting events, to their activities. And then on weekends, you're serving at church. Even on vacation, you're running around busy, busy, busy. Stop. Rest in Him. Listen to the psalm. Verse 2, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Take a deep breath. He restores my soul. Like the sheep were restless. The sheep had to be forced to stop and rest. Isn't that true for us as well? How many times were you just made to stop and rest? For those of you who are exhausted today, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, I have good news. Our Lord, our shepherd, restores our souls. But it might require some changes in our lives. It might require for us to trust in what the Lord has to say about rest. It might require us to reestablish priorities in our lives. Listen to the next verse. Verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will guide us in the paths of righteousness. This means the, the correct path. Like I said, the sheep tend to wander. 
They required the shepherd to lead them in a correct path towards food and safety. Uh, Green pastures are not abundant in Israel as they are here. If you go out to the countryside, you'll see green pastures everywhere. If a shepherd leads his sheep in the wrong direction for a few days, they're in big trouble. So he needed to be wise and careful. And we tend to wander as well, right? God, God gives us all the guidance we need in his holy scriptures. Holy Scripture is our guide. There's a theological term referring to Scripture, and that is its infallibility. That, that means that Scripture is incapable of error. It is never wrong. And it's absolutely trustworthy. We need to know this book, folks. We need to apply this book to our lives. It is the righteous path. It is our guide. It is trusting that what the Lord has left us for guidance to navigate through life is true, is real. It works. I know personally the results of, of not following the guidance. I lived parts of my life far, far from God, ignoring, ignoring his truth and his word. And it led, it led me to paths of destruction, far away from him. And my life was in shambles. When I turned to him and believed that his way was better than mine, my life also changed. It's still changing. The Lord is our shepherd and our guide in life. He's our shepherd and our guide, but he's also our comfort in times of need. Verse 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So while taking the sheep uh, to green pastures and water, the shepherd often had to travel far and through severe terrain. They would have gone, had to go down a steep cliffs, full of danger both for the sheep and the shepherd. I can imagine being in a deep valley at night in complete darkness and having to navigate that hard terrain. The sheep had one job, to follow the shepherd. They have no sense of the danger that is around them. They certainly cannot plan their route. They don't know how to navigate through the tough circumstances. They are utterly dependent on their guide. And the psalmist compares this to our lives. We also go through terrifying, hard, and difficult valleys in our lives. We can't see the way out. We don't understand what's happening. Why is this happening? We're scared. We're in pain. But fortunately, we don't have to go through this alone. We are comforted in the fact that our Lord is with us in those situations. We can trust in his guidance. We can blindly follow him. We can have hope that he sees what I cannot see. That he knows what I cannot know. You see, like the shepherd, our God sees the bigger picture. And this verse actually reminds me of, of when I was uh, 12 years old. I went to my first Christian camp, and uh, it was about Thursday in the week, and uh, late at night, about 10 o'clock, uh, staff came in and said, hey, get, get your dirtiest shoes and your dirtiest clothes. We're going to go play a game. Okay, sounds good. So we go to the edge of the woods, and there was only one rule of this game. They showed us this rope, and they said, hold on to this rope and follow it. Okay. So, oh, by the way, don't let go of the rope. Whatever you do, don't let go of the rope. And so we would start to walk, not seeing anything, just holding on to that rope. We would go into the creek, 
around and under obstacles, through the woods, through the mud. And to add on to the excitement, they would put some crew members in the path and they'll jump up and scare us from time to time. And so, as you can imagine, that was, uh, that was just chaos. But as a teen, I thought this was the best game ever. Now, don't worry, parents. I don't think they do these kinds of games at camp anymore. Go ahead and send your kids to camp, all right? No problem. But we had to hold on to that rope and not let go. We had a rope guiding us through the obstacles, through the mud, through the woods. Folks, we live in a fallen world. As a result, difficult, hard, devastating things will happen to us. The big question everybody wants an answer to is why? Why do these things happen? And the answer is that I don't know. You know why I don't know? Because I am sheep. I'm limited. I am not smart enough. I'm lacking understanding of the big picture. I have a limited perspective. All I can do is hold on to that rope, to that guide, our Lord. Unfortunately, we can't eliminate these valleys, but we can find hope in the one that has everything under his control and that loves us. So we're not to fear. I don't fear, says the psalmist, because God is with me. We like to say this when uh, things get hard or when where kids get scared, what do we say? God is with you. But think about that when we say that God is with you. We're saying the God who created everything, who provides every breath, who knows how many hair I have, which unfortunately is, is, is smaller and smaller, who knows everything about us, who knows the future, who knows the way out of the situation that I'm in, that God, that God is with me. Knows everything. Our entire perspective on this problem then will change because nothing is too big, nothing is too serious, nothing is too severe, nothing is too devastating for my God. The psalm goes on, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the shepherd had a couple of tools of the trade, a rod and the, and the staff. Shepherds would carry these uh, instruments around. And these tools had a few different functions. The, the, the rod was a short club-like stick um, that was mostly used for protection from obvious dangers, but also uh, used to prodding the sheep uh, when, when they were going a little bit in the, the way they didn't want to. In fact, both the rod and the staff were used for that. The, the, the staff was a longer stick with a hook on it, and it was also used to prod and get the sheep going in the right direction. Now, this hook was often used if the sheep was really not, not answering, responding to the prodding. They could hook the sheep's neck and jerk her back and get her going in the right direction. Now, this certainly wasn't comfortable, so how is this comfortable? How do we find comfort in these instruments, right? Well, there were instruments of protection from both obvious dangers and not so obvious one like poisonous plants or a cliff that the sheep couldn't see coming up. The psalmist is telling us here through this imagery that we have a God that protects us. He protects us from the big obvious things, but he also protects us in ways that we will never know. How many times we've been spared from a car accident? We don't know. How many times have God steered our children away from a bad situation? We, we don't know. 
So there is comfort in knowing that I have someone watching out for me, protecting me, guiding me through the difficulties of life. There are also instruments of discipline. The rod and the staff were used to keep these animals in line. They're used to prod the sheep in the right path, and sometimes a little jerk was necessary to get them on track, to make sure the sheep were doing the right thing. I was thinking about this. How does discipline bring comfort? This is also a little bit counterintuitive, right? The truth is that discipline is a comforting thing. It is a sign of love. We don't recognize this while the discipline is happening, right? But, uh, but years later, we're thankful for it. I remember being disciplined as a child. Uh, it was tough and I was crying, but I remember I would always run to my parents and hug them and say, I'm sorry. And this was actually very comforting. The same with my kids. Uh, discipline brings us closer together, not further apart. They might cry and complain while it's happening, but eventually they come back and hug us. There is comfort in that embrace. Our relationship is restored. Our kids are comforted by the fact that they will be forgiven when they mess up. It's comfort. Now think about the undisciplined child. They get away with everything. This actually confuses the child. And confusion turns into apathy. And apathy turns into anger. And it's just a recipe for disaster. They're confused. It's not comforting. And scripture reminds us that those who discipline their children are doing so out of love. We see this idea throughout the Proverbs. Discipline is comforting because it is a sign of love. So we're comforted because we're both protected and we're disciplined by our shepherd's rod and staff. Isn't that amazing? Just from simple instruments, we can glean all of this. That he protects, that he disciplines because he loves, because he cares. What an amazing God. David would have used these tools many, many, many times. He's reminded of God's guidance and correction and that these are proof of his love. So they bring comfort to him. The Lord is not only my comfort, but he's also a good host. Let me explain. Verse 5, we see a change in the imagery here that David uses to describe God. It changes from the good shepherd to a good host. Verse 5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The idea here is of a banquet, banquet hall where a gracious host has provided lavish hospitality. Now, hospitality is extremely significant in this culture. It's not as, as important in our culture because we have greater resources. But just imagine traveling in biblical times, right? No car, uh, very few roads, no convenience stores, no hotels right around the corner. Everything was more difficult. People, especially while traveling, depended on others' hospitality for protection or even survival. So hospitality was expected in this culture, but it was not always done well or with a good attitude. A good host, though, would bring a stranger in his home and would make him feel part of the family. They were to feel included even though there were strangers. In fact, the nation was commanded to love foreigners and strangers. Leviticus 19.34 says this, you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a, na as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. 
The Lord is a good host in this passage. He prepares a table before me in the midst of danger. So we continue to see this theme of providence and protection. The Lord is taking care of us. He provides safety in times of danger. The verse goes on. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The good host would welcome someone into their home, would provide protection, provide food, perhaps wash their feet, and they would also anoint their head with oil. This, is, this practice was refreshing and soothing to a traveler in a form of honoring them as well. And then the psalmist says, my cup overflows. This is the result of tasting God's goodness. He has hope despite all the difficulties, despite being before his enemies, the trials, the hard things he is living through. He experiences hope in God's goodness. Not that the difficulties are taken away, but he is in awe of God's care in his life. Let me ask you, have you ever been camping? Like real primitive camping. Now, now if your tent has wheels on it, that doesn't count, okay? You've been hiking all day. You're exhausted. You're dirty. It's starting to rain. It's getting dark. Now you're worried about the wildlife. And you're just thinking about having a cooked meal. You're exhausted, right? Now, just imagine in that moment, you're transported out of that situation and greeting, greeted with an awesome food spread, a beautiful table, and you're able to get cleaned up, and you're inside, outside of, inside, in, outside of the elements. You're honored by your host. What a sweet feeling that would be to get rest, to get refreshed. I imagine David having this overwhelming feeling of just being taken care of by our Lord. He is joyful that in his troubles, in the face of the enemy, the Lord is good. He is good. He allows me a sinner, a stranger to be part of his family. He welcomes me in. It is so, people, uh, so common for people in times of trouble and danger to point the finger at God. Why did you let this happen? That's not David's approach. He does not lose sight of the character of God. He is good. He is love. He does protect and he does care. Maybe not the way I expected. Maybe I can't see all the different things that he's doing. But remember, I'm but a sheep. I can trust him though. That is what faith is, isn't it? It's trusting in him even though I can't understand everything he's doing or why he does what he does. A few years ago, we were on vacation, and my son Jacob would have been three or four years old, and we were at the pool, and he couldn't swim yet, and so he's, he's on the side, and I'm in the deep end, and he's just jumping, and I'm catching him, and we must have done this a hundred times. He's just, finally, I think he gets tired, and he, he kind of steps away, starts playing with something else, so I turn to look at my other daughters, and, and, and they're playing, and I, and I look back, must have been two or three seconds later, and he's nowhere to be seen, and I look down, and he's at the bottom of the pool. I quickly grab him, I'm frantic, I'm, I'm panicked, and, and he's just laughing like nothing happened. You see, my son trusts his daddy, right? He doesn't understand the danger that just happened in that situation. Question is, folks, do we trust our daddy like that? We know he's got us. 
He's strong enough. He is smart enough. He sees all the dangers that we can't see. Yeah, why is it so hard to jump into his arms, to surrender ourselves to him? And David, despite of all his sins, all the troubles and all the hard times, came to the conclusion that, yes, my God, my shepherd is good. He is good. Finally, the Lord is our Savior. Verse 6 says this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a realization on David's part that our God never changes, that his goodness and his mercy will be with him throughout his life. In fact, he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, he's probably referring here to the tabernacle as the temple has not yet been completed. But this is where God's presence was located. He is saying, I will enjoy this banquet, this fellowship, this love, this protection, this comfort for the rest of my life and forever. Now, folks, this is real hope, isn't it? Real hope. Hope that I get to spend eternity with God in his presence, that there's more to this life, that there's more to the difficulties of life. The pain, the hurt will one day be a thing of the past. The tears, the cancer, the disease will be a thing of the past, it will be gone. The difficult relationships, the hard-fought personal battles that we have will be no more. The tough, draining jobs and hard work that drains us will be gone and we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If this doesn't bring us comfort, I don't know what can. We have hope because we know the ending of the story. We know that one day we'll be with them forever. The psalmist found hope because he understood the character of God. He did not let his circumstances, his fears, his enemies bury him he fixed his eyes on God, the one that can save him. Fortunately for us, folks, Jesus made this possible for us. When he came as a baby and lived a perfect life, only to be judged and sentenced to death on our behalf, he was executed where we should have been. Where we should have suffered for our sins, he took our place and made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He rose again on the third day to new life. What a good shepherd we have in Jesus. As sheep, we can't understand all that he's doing, but I know that he has loved me. So I want to jump into his arms with no care in the world. Now Jesus declares this in John chapter 10, verse 14. Listen to this verse, and it's almost like he's thinking of Psalm 23 as he says this. He says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me. Isn't that awesome? Just as sheep recognizes their, the shepherd's voice, we also know his voice, his caring, loving voice, and he knows ours. So we find hope in the valleys of life. When we look to the Father, we trust in him. We surrender to him who gave up his son for us so that we can live. 
He is the good shepherd. He is our comfort in times of desperation. He is the host that takes care of us, providing and protecting us. And he is our savior, the one who saves us. Like the sheep, we have no ability to clean ourselves. We cannot deal with our sin. No amount of good work or prayer can save me. I need him to take care of my sin issues. I need him to care for me, to guide me, and to comfort me, and ultimately to save me. So yes, folks, we can have hope in the valley. I hope you find it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, now we, we recognize the valleys that many are going through here this morning. I pray that in the psalm that we read this morning, they find the hope, the comfort that they deeply need this morning. Give them refreshment, I pray, I pray Lord. For those that are busy, exhausted, tired, give them rest today, I pray, Lord. That we all go home and, and, and we turn to you and say, yes, you are the provider. I will not trust in my own strength any longer. I will trust and surrender to you. Help us do that today and this week and, and provide for us, we pray, Lord. We pray for hope in the difficult times, and we surrender to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.